0: Hello to all. Our wedding planning couples. I'm Tara, and welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning podcast. I'm excited to share my creativity and 14 years experience as a professional wedding planner and decorator.
1: And I'm Josh, and we're so happy you're joining us for some solid, down-to-earth wedding planning advice that I've accumulated over my 18 years in the industry. We believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services.
0: Visit us at CompleteWeDo.com for more information.
1: Hello, Wedding Planning Couples. We had a great event on March 1st, celebrating National Wedding Planning Day. Hopefully you were all able to join us that day. But if you weren't, the video is out. We have the full length as a podcast. Ended up being a really long, really information chock-full episode. So today we're going to go ahead and recap everything to give you the high points. And so Tara, when we when we did National Wedding Planning Day, you and I divided our group of experts, our panel into four rooms, and we talked about the first steps of wedding planning right after engagement, you hosted that one. And then I talked about ways to personalize the wedding day and show your personality with my next group. You went back with tips for picking the right photographer and videographer for you and then I got into the area that I care most about and feel the best about is the uh, music. So let's uh, let's talk about who we had in the room and what kind of uh, interesting things you had. So when you were talking about the first steps of wedding planning right after engagement, who were you talking with?
0: Yeah, so I actually was joined in that one by Sue Bennett, um, which is one of our uh, franchise owners out of Des Moines, Iowa, and then was also joined by Misty Kingsley. Uh, you know her well. Uh, I have no is. idea who that is. <laughs> no idea, no idea. Um, owner there in uh, Wisconsin. So we um, definitely, you know, we dove into finding the venue, which is one of the very first things that you do. Uh, and then we also dived into wedding day coordination. Again, another thing that I am very passionate about. The, uh, the venue talk with Sue, um, some big takeaways with there is to definitely take multiple tours and get to know what you're looking for in a venue prior to going to those tours and so really doing some research figuring out what your budget is your guest list what your vibe and you know your vision is of your wedding day Um, and then going on those tours and talking to those venues about all the things um, you know what they can provide what you have to provide um, and really you know how involved are they going to be on your day Um, And one big thing that I think that Sue, you know, kind of pointed out um, that even as a wedding planner, sometimes I don't take into account um, as we go through and talk to lots of different venue owners um, is, you know, just being respectful of their time. And when you have, you know, when you've been inquiring with all of these different venues, you know, showing the respect of letting them know yes or no, um, sticking to your appointments um, and just being courteous um, to them, but really being open with your communication about what your needs and wants are at the get-go rather than waiting till closer to your wedding day to find out a few of the the hidden things that you may not have you know thought about in the beginning
1: yeah I actually have a couple friend that just got engaged or friends that are a couple however you want to put it that just got engaged and they're in the process of doing all their venue tours and my friend uh the the guy the groom in this situation, is. Talking to me this last Sunday at a wedding show, and he makes a a comment about I can tell walking through and doing these venues who I'm going to mesh with and be able to work with on the day. And, you know, some of this is throughout his professional career and everything, and and really just through your personal relationships, you find out your own sensibilities and who you do and don't mesh with. And, you know, I thought that was a really good comment from him, just knowing you're going to be at this place all day plus the, the months before doing everything, just make sure you pick somebody that you get along with. And, you know, I think another thing that Sue and and you just reiterated is when you do make a decision, just let everybody know. Uh, All all the venues are in the the business of filling their dates and and selling their inventory, which is their space for a certain day. And the worst thing you can do for somebody who's who's in that position is leave them in, in limbo and flux forever. I mean, the best thing that you can hear from a, from a salesperson standpoint is yes, the second best thing you can hear is no, because both of those situations mean you get to move on to whatever else you're working on. So what did, uh, what did you and Misty talk about?
0: Yeah, so we talked about really the big difference between a day of coordinator, a full service planner, and a venue coordinator. All have very similar roles um, and all obviously have the same goal in mind, taking care of the client and making sure their day is amazing but I'll do it in a little bit different way. Um, you know, we talked about full services obviously f- there with you every step of the way in every aspect of your wedding. Your day of coordinator, you know, is usually coming in towards that last month of your wedding day, but still going to be there on the day, uh, in most cases from start to finish to again, make sure that your day is flawless. Your venue coordinator is very much that person that is going to handle the ins and outs of your venue and if ceremony doesn't happen at the same place as your reception a lot of times that venue coordinator has nothing to do with your ceremony Um, and sometimes has not a whole lot of impact on your other vendors and how your day truly flows Um, same thing sometimes set up and tear down they're mainly in charge of venue staffing food and beverage if that's provided by the venue Um, And, you know, the logistics of the venue, you know, can be as simple as the heat and air and the lighting and the refilling of toilet paper kind of thing. And so really knowing how much help you need on the day and which one of those um, services is going to mesh best with what your needs are, is definitely key. Um, We definitely went more into kind of what your um, day of coordinator does, because that's obviously uh, one of the services that Complete offers. And Misty and I have very similar views on this that we don't do every you know the little bullet points is not all that we do. Um, There are so many different things that you read between the lines that your coordinator is taking care of because you hire a coordinator to take care of the things you don't want to do. And so we really dove into what does that look like and what tasks can you expect from that um, and how much that truly can impact the ability to enjoy your day and not just as a couple but your family to enjoy the day, your friends, your bridal party, enjoying the day with you and truly being present with you that day rather than in the back of their mind, wondering if this happened or did the candles get lit or is that person showing up? Um, And so if you want to be present, if your guests want to be present, if your family wants to be present with you, um, hiring a day of coordinator is by far one of the best decisions you'll ever make.
1: Yep. Last thing that she brought up that I thought was really interesting is just keep in mind what priorities each of those three individuals that you mentioned are going are gonna to have. And the venue coordinator, I think, is the most interesting one and the, the one to take the most note of. Just keep in mind that their priority is going to be the venue and keeping that venue, that asset, um, getting good reviews and, and safe, if you will. So, yeah. Thought that was interesting. Uh, So we got into personalization next, and my first conversation was with Libby Monroe, who has been on with us, man, I don't even know how many times. It's been a a handful. And she's the uh, sales and marketing manager for our St. Louis organization, and also works with the uh, southern half of Illinois, and actually really probably the southern 75, 80% of the geography, because Chicago is really where a lot of the Illinois population is and and she handles a lot of everything else. So a ton of a ton of experience. I mean, it's probably the biggest organization that we have. Um, They get all over the place deal with a lot of couples. And so she talked about the important must haves for a couple getting married. And she obviously got into the big vendor things like you need to have your photography, You're going to have to have some musical entertainment. You're going to have to have flowers. You're going to have to have stuff like that. But the uh, three things that she brought up after that were one, a wedding coordinator. So either a planner or a day of planner, day of coordinator. And really, I could go through the stuff she said, but I think that we've spent so much time talking about it. Just listen to anything else that you or Misty has said, and that's why you should have one. But the two other things that she gave are what I'm going to call somewhat abstract because you don't have to spend any money to do these two things. And the first one was eat and the second one was have fun. And so the eat thing, and I say this to couples all the time as well, make sure that you're eating throughout the day. Don't skip meals and make sure that you have your dinner. And that's going to help you with uh, two things. You'll have energy to keep going Uh, You're not going to run out, you're going to keep on your typical way that you pace yourself throughout a day. And so you're not going to shock your body into this being something completely different. And then uh, the other thing is, you know, you you take a lot of time and effort to get this great meal, you might as well enjoy it, you're going to be eating first. So just kind of shut off. You eat let everybody else get their food, and then you can get into the rest of what the program is for the evening. I completely agree with those, and I think by doing all of those things, it helps you have fun. And having fun's a decision, and you need to wake up the every single morning the week before the wedding and decide this is going to be the most fun day of my life, or funnest. I think is actually the proper English way to say that, and uh, make the effort to just be in that mindset the entire time because. we say the entire time weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling not full of stress and conflict anything that you uh had jump out from libby's convo
0: yeah no i definitely think it's again you know we harp on that wedding coordination um and so your your wedding coordinator is going to help you remind you to eat um and i always tell the clients like make sure that you have some breakfast have some lunch because often that dinner meal is where people are coming up to you and chit chatting and distracting you um, or your nerves because you're now the center of attention amongst 200 people just staring at you while you eat. And sometimes that doesn't always mean you're gonna finish your plate. So definitely eat prior to the ceremony. Um, And even if you're after your ceremony, you have a break, grab a snack, granola bar, water, uh, is definitely key, so that, like you said, you know, you're you keep up the pace. Um, you know, I know Libby told a story about her own wedding. Um, you know, about you know family being it, doing everything. She also talked about a friend that, you know, didn't uh, pace herself well and you know was a little too intoxicated. Again, part of that having fun is knowing your limits um, and making it so it's an environment that you can have fun in um, and not. Not only, not only get overwhelmed, but remember it by not overindulging. Um, and so that's definitely key to make sure that you have a good day.
1: Yep, good call. I'm going to bounce around a little bit. The uh, second person I talked to was Cornell, but the third person that I discussed was uh, Elaine, who's part of our corporate support office based out of Omaha, Nebraska. And we talked specifically about food. So I think it's appropriate to, to kind of recap that right now. And her um, main points were you got to think about the decision of what you're going to be eating and the, before you even get to what the actual menu is, you're deciding between a plated dinner or a buffet dinner. And so some of the things that she brought out that I thought were interesting were think about what kind of event you're trying to have, whether it's uh, more casual or more upscale upscale is kind of by nature, plated casual is kind of by nature buffet, it's not a hard and fast uh, rule, but it's something to kind of think about. Um, she also mentioned, think about your guests. And if you have uh, a lot of older relatives where getting up and moving around and going to a buffet might be difficult for them, think a little bit harder about a plate dinner. And then also think uh, about the fact that you're going to have service industry people. And we all know how strained everybody is right now in, in terms of help. Just think about what either of those look like for them. And everybody in the world's having trouble getting catering staff around. So you might be setting yourself up for failure if you try to do a plate of dinner for 300 people. And and let's just be real about what that situation actually is. It's easier for a group to keep a bunch of buffet line items full and uh, not have to be going between what's probably going to be a really crowded room with that many people. So just think about those types of things. And then when we got into the specific menu, you can go for the uh, always crowd pleasers. Chicken is always going to be a good fit. That's always going to be a low cost, good fit. Prime rib is probably always going to be a good fit, but that's a high cost, good fit. <laughs> and so uh, th- just think about things like like that. And then also just make sure that you're keeping track of any kind of dietary restrictions your guests might have. Because uh, again, like Libby said, we want to have fun. There's nothing less fun for a group of people than them not being able to, to eat with any kind of you know, uh, dietary restriction, whether it be gluten or, or meat or something to that effect. And, you know, some of those things are a choice that you should take care of your guests and some aren't a choice and you really need to take care of those guests.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I would agree. And, and, you know, plated versus, you know, buffet, you know, really kind of comes down to budget. Sometimes, um, often you find that a plated meal is a little bit more expensive. Um, as someone who used to come from a as a venue coordinator side of things, um, in a hotel conference room that, you know, we Plated meals for 1500 people one time. Um, don't encourage that. Uh, <laughs> although we knocked it out of the park, but often our weddings of 200, 300 people. The big thing on a, a plated meal is you have to think about what that menu choice is because if you think about it, to plate that many people they're plating before your actual dinner time. And so little, you know, behind the scenes detail is sometimes that meat is going to sit in that hot box for a little while prior to the last person being served. And so talk to your catering staff about what meat um, and even sides that are going to upkeep for that duration of the first table being fed to the last table being fed. Um, And you're right, it is tough right now um, on catering staff finding servers um, I know even as a wedding coordinator, sometimes I am hiring this year just a few of the you know girls that are being my interns to just be helpers um, to clear buffet plates, um not even just serving. Um, and so keep in mind of what that logistics looks like. Um, depending on how many people you can, uh, or how many people you have, it can, if they don't have the right staffing, can delay what that dinner time looks like and put your entire schedule uh, behind. But that can also happen with long buffet lines, too. Um, My biggest thing on buffets is that I just wish that people would stay in their seats until they're released for a buffet rather than making a line of 200 people out the door um, because they're impatient and don't I mean I would much rather sit at my table and socialize and wait till it's my turn but for some reason a lot of people don't do that. And I would say that's one of the biggest things that I hate at a wedding, especially because a lot of times as a coordinator, I'm releasing tables and then it never fails. There's the, the table. It's like, eh, I don't want to wait. I'm going to go get in line now kind of thing. And I, I promise you there's a process. Everybody's going to get to eat. Um, and it usually goes a lot quicker um, if you stay in your seats and, and wait. So that's my two cents.
1: Yeah, last comment I'll make is uh, don't mistake a, a buffet. I know we talked about plated having a more upscale feel. Don't Don't mistake a buffet for being you know, lowbrow by any means, Um, you can, you can jazz up a buffet. So don't be afraid of that. And I mean, my encouragement as a parting shot here is ask your catering staff, what they're good at and actually take their response as a professional seriously. And, you know, if they tell you we're better at doing buffet and you really like our food, so let us tell you how we serve it best, then I would, I would consider, you know, listening to them instead of saying, you know, I want plated and I'm, I'm, I'm not budging off of that. So the last thing we uh, talked about, it was uh, Cornell Thomas from Salt Lake City. He's the owner out there, and he also has a background in being a DJ. So we talked about things that a DJ can do besides play music. And this was a place where I think we really touted the uh, complete connection and really where he and I ultimately arrived at is I don't think either one of us would have made it to being owners of complete locations if we looked at DJs as somebody that's a plant that stands back behind a system and does nothing but play music. Um, you're supposed to, as a DJ, keep the schedule moving at least the second half of the day, which is from the time the wedding party's introduced to the crowd through The end of the night and and that's not a passive task i mean you can't just let everything happen or it's going to be bad and uh you brought up something just about the food you're a coordinator you're dismissing tables uh if you didn't do that it would be passive everybody would get up and you would just have this nightmare situation for everybody and that's how mistakes happen and i kind of look at the dj side of, of things uh being the same you have to recognize when the crowd's feeling some dead time and about to turn on you. And you need to make sure that you know what level of engagement everybody has. And there's just a level of experience and training that comes out of that. And I think Complete does a good job with that.
0: Yeah, no, I thought his points were great about, you know, they're not only the MC, but they also can get the crowd pumped up with different games and different stuff of that nature. Um, and And I stand true to a DJ can make or break your party. And so making sure that you have that vibe And there are definitely those receptions that want to be more laid back, background music only. Uh, We just did one that they played board games the entire time and had literally competitions. And so they weren't looking for this overall inner, you know, involved DJ that um, you know, had a bunch of, you know, the dance floor packed all night. Instead, they wanted more of that background. And so as a couple planning your wedding, be open with your DJ about what you're looking for and their involvement and know that their job, especially if you don't have a coordinator, is to truly run your event and make sure that not only do you know what's going on, but your guests know what's going on and your vendors are all in tune. Um, And so a good DJ um, is definitely key for all of that.
1: Yep, and I agree they can make or break your event. And your next room was also about vendors that can make or break your event and in more specific terms, they can make or break your memory. So you talked about picking the correct photographer and videographer. So uh, who who was the first person in that room that you talked to?
0: Yeah, so we talked with Cassie, which is out of our Springfield office. Um, Not only does she, you know, support and do uh, video and photo operations for them, but she's also one of their main photographers. I think even she might have won photographer of the year through complete when we did that a couple years ago. Um, And so, you know, the big thing that she talked about is knowing what you're looking for in a photographer um, and truly, you know trying to hone in if you can on what your style is Um, and that's not only like the style of the editing but also the style of uh, even i guess i guess i want to call it a style but the personality you're looking for um, and just the overall look that you want for your pictures um she really dove into the the photography part of it we talked a video with a couple other people but on that really on that photography, things are, the market is saturated, at least definitely here. And I'm going to say it's probably saturated nationwide. You can throw a rock and probably hit six photographers. I think you may have even said that one time on a different podcast. And, and it really is, there are so many people out there and you will spend days on Pinterest and Instagram and every other, you know, social media outlet, looking at pictures about, you know, wedding days and try as a couple, try to figure out what are you know i always tell my couples that come in with these huge pinterest boards i'm like okay you've pinned a this one shot six times let's narrow it down to one um and then you've pinned all of this that has a very similar style to it and so they'll come in and they'll be like i don't know what my style is i don't have a theme and all that stuff and truly you do you just have to understand what it is you're looking at and so doing some research on what the different styles are and so she went over the different shooting styles um and lighting and stuff like that and so definitely if you're unsure of what your style is go back and listen to that part of the podcast um, because she really kind of dives into what the differences are and i mean obviously you want to look at your photographer's websites uh, but you also i would read their reviews um it's not only just about how great are their pictures that are going to help you relive your day but how are they going to mesh with you on the wedding day? Because they are one of the vendors that are with you the majority of your day, even sometimes more than your coordinator will be. Um, And so knowing that you're going to have fun with them um, and vibe with them and that they're going to pose you well, and that they have an understanding of how comfortable you are in front of a camera um, will definitely make it so that you have a better experience. we also talked about um, the scheduling of the day um, and really that as a coordinator, I can't tell you how important that is, but you know, going through that process as a newly engaged person, you probably don't know all of the you know, questions and answers um, to what the schedule looks like. And so diving into, you know, do you wanna do a first look and not just a first look with your groom or bride, do you wanna first look with your parents? Do you want it with your bridal party? Um, knowing if you want to do sunset pictures, knowing if you, you know, want to go to multiple locations, like truly knowing what your schedule looks like on your day, not only will help you find a photographer that has a package with the number of hours you need, but also align your day to make sure that you time your ceremony and reception appropriately.
1: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, you, you had, I think the entire event was really must listen, but this uh, room about photo and video. I mean, just knowing how important photography is to most couples planning a wedding. I dare I say this might have been the most uh, must listen part because Cassie was able to break all that stuff that you just talked about down so incredibly well. And I thought she uh, set the stage really well. And then we moved on to video, right?
0: We did. Yeah, we, we finished off Cassie's kind of talking about budget, because um, photography is one of your biggest budgets, you know, aside from your usually your venue. Um, and so talking through that um, with her on photography and then, yeah, we dove in with Joe, um, who is also from the uh, Wisconsin franchise, if I remember correctly.
1: He is from uh, Milwaukee, which is uh, Algonquin for the good good land. Yes, that's correct. Okay. <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah, we talked to him more about video. Again, that's been one of those things that I, you know, 10 years from now, it was your, you know, grandpa with a camcorder in the back, um, you know, or very well could have been somebody's Blackberry. I don't know, but um, it definitely wasn't something that... Um, know your parents may have one um, but they probably never watch it anymore because they're like it's too long you know i don't even know where the vhs is anymore um i think joe Joe and i kind of talked about uh joked around about vhs i promise i know what that is uh but they the big thing is nowadays it you know we live in a fast-paced world and we all have ventured away from home in a lot of cases. And so you often find that a lot of people don't get to come to your wedding um, as back in the day where, you know, the entire town showed up. And so video, in my opinion, is one of the most important things that a couple can have besides their pictures, um, because it gives you the the live emotion of your day. You're hearing your vows, hearing your toasts. We've talked about this multiple times. And so he went on to, you know, the, the cost of it can Sometimes, you know, be a a big chunk of your budget. um, But it's well worth it and I think there are definitely things in a wedding that you can cut out to afford something like a video because again it's going to be more important than the jar of jam you put on the table as a wedding favor in my opinion. Um, And so really truly know what your priorities are in if you're going to have a video or not. Um, We also went into about you know. What what kind of coverage you're looking for and do you want just a a simple highlight video that's a short link um, that you can share on social media and email to friends and family, or do you want a full one hour video of your, you know, ceremony, um, you know, Catholic mass kind of thing and so. Knowing what you want to get out of your video um, is definitely ideal um, so that you can truly know what that that cost is going to look like um, and what those again those needs are for you. Um, but it's again, one of those things that don't skip on it. If you can Um, make that part of your wedding registry, like who needs more bath towels, get a wedding video. You can find all our bath towels if you truly want to.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right. So you had a really comprehensive conversation with Cassie about photo, a really comprehensive conversation with Joe about video. Then you kind of tied it together with your third conversation. So tell me a little more about that one.
0: Yeah, we uh, finished off with Rachel. Um, and for the life of me, I can never remember. Where all He's from
1: Grand Rapids. Out. Yeah, Grand, Grand Rapids, Rapids Michigan. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, we finished off with her and she really kind of, again, like you said, pulled both of those services together and talked about how those two people really work together on your wedding day. And obviously, being complete people, we will, you know, praise all day long that getting a company that has both of those services allows you to work with people that know each other, and know each other well, and know what to expect from each other. And that's not saying that you know outside vendors, you know, don't work well with complete people, or that you know, um, you if you hire two completely different people, that it won't go well. Uh, but it's definitely a conversation to have about what what is expected and ironically i talked to one of our videographers yesterday um, that he was um he does subcontracting for us so he has his own company and was talking to a client um that did have a photographer that necessarily wasn't um very responsive to having a video um, and didn't want to take the time for the videographer to set up their own shots Um, because, you know, she had a strict timeline that she wanted to follow and that wasn't taking it out. And so that's a conversation that needs to have prior to your wedding day. And you as a couple need to be very vocal with your photographer and videographer that which one is priority for you or are they both priority? And if you very much feel that photography is your priority and video is kind of an afterthought, then maybe they don't set up their own shots and they just kind of run with the day and capture, obviously, you know, those special moments of the ceremony and reception and not a lot of fluff. But if video is truly what you want to look back on for your wedding day, besides your pictures, and that it's going to play play a special role in your memories, such as my husband and I rewatch our video every year on our anniversary. um, And now we get our kids involved. And so I knew that I wanted my video to be something that I want to watch every year. And so it was just as important as my photography. And so I made sure that my photographer, my videographer knew, you better figure it out, who's going to be standing where and what you're shooting, and give each other enough time to capture everything that I wanted. Um, and so having that conversation ahead of time is very key. And so we, we definitely talked about that a lot with her. Uh, we talked about making sure that they're part of your day and having fun. Um, you know as you and the bridal party are getting ready in the morning you know socialize with your photographer and videographer um, start to have that relationship with them because by nine o'clock when your feet are hurting and they're asking you to take one more picture you want to have that sense of humor with them um, and that ability to really be their friend in a sense um, so that you can again communicate effectively what you're looking for Uh, the other things that we talked about Um, that I won't really go into too much detail, but we talked about again, that wedding day timeline, we talked about shot lists um, about, you know, those Pinterest boards and stuff like that. Like, what are you looking for? Um, And also one big thing that she brought up um, is appointing somebody within your bridal party or family that can help with those big group shops that know the people. Um, It's very key to making that a streamlined process and not get off schedule if you can have somebody that can start calling out names like aunt betty it's your turn you know now grandpas get in and grandmas get out you know whatever it may be um having that person um, to really kind of run the point because again your photographer doesn't know your family's in and out like you or somebody within your party does
1: yeah not only is that key that's the only way that works yeah. <laughs> it's the only way that works. Yeah. So that was good stuff. I, again, that was uh, that was an incredible segment that we had. The last place we went for national wedding planning day is where, you know, my heart and uh, general professionalism really is, which is the music. And so we had a room with uh, three of us and the, the first was Alex, who is our owner down in Houston. And he got together with his wife to put together a list of the 15 most romantic songs for your first dance and you can listen to it to get the the entire thing but i think they did a very good job of picking some old and new but all uh, completely timeless music and we've gotten into this many times When you're picking your first dance think about a song that on your 10th 20th wedding anniversary every wedding you go to between when you get married and, and you know all of those big days, think of a song you're gonna be happy with. So, air for something timeless and just make sure that you um, have something that's got personal meaning to you. And uh, one of the things that I really liked is he, he picked out songs like, I'll Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie. That's an alternative rock song. Um, you know That's gonna be a little bit deeper of a cut, but if that's what your kind of DNA is as a couple and that's the kind of music you're really into, that's a, a timeless song that can fit into an alternative genre.
0: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed his list. I, I joked around with him that there was no Michael Bublé, but that was just because those were my wedding, my wedding songs. We had a, everything, and ironically, at uh, in Jamaica, we brought our own iPod uh, again ten years ago, uh, and so we played our own music. But for some reason, the song just cut out right in the middle of our first dance, and so and like would not continue playing the rest of the song, and so then we just switched it to Crazy in Love. Um, by Michael Buble as well because I just had his entire basically that CD um, on my iPod and so uh, we joke around that we have two songs um, although at our reception we only dance to one but um, definitely yeah make sure you have a song that is going to be easy to remember um, 10-20 years from now um, but that again kind of tells your story and uh, people can kind of get a glimpse into your love story by just listening to the lyrics
1: really funny story uh misty and i our first dance song is lucky the jason mraz uh colby calier duo mm-hmm. or duet and so we played that for our first dance and we tried to play it at the end of the dance and this was back when it was on a cd and for whatever reason the dj couldn't get the cd to work uh for the record we did not use a complete dj because uh, <laughs> it wasn't available in this area but the uh, cd didn't work and so we're just like skip it and it went right to uh, i'm yours so we kind of had two, uh, two songs as well. We were into Jason Mraz at that time, and those are still good songs that hold up. So the next place we went was Brandon Wofford, who is the soon-to-be Kansas City owner, but he's been DJ of the year for complete at least once. Uh, there's just a ninja behind the, the system and making a wedding day run. And so we, we started talking about the first dance and some additional thoughts, if you're not trying to just be romantic. And so the uh, things that he brought up were um, are you choosing uh, a song because you think you have to do a first dance? And I would heavily say think think about if you're going to regret not having one because you don't have to do anything aside from say that you give consent when the officiant asks and say I do. Those are the two legal things that you have to do which is why it costs 50 bucks to get married. It costs a lot more money to have a wedding. Uh, So you don't have to have a first dance. And if you want to break tradition, by all means, uh, go ahead and do it. So if that's uh, a thing where you just really don't want to be in the spotlight, then you can forego that. But I would just encourage you to think about how disappointed your parents, grandparents, you know, anybody that's around that came to the wedding might be about that. And, And so I would encourage you to do it, but know that you don't have to. And, just realize that everybody's standing in a circle watching you kind of sway back and forth and talk to each other. They're going to be happy with that. And I think you'll be happy with that time as well. Uh, the next thing that we talked about was, are you wanting more of a, a TikTok tock uh, phase dance mashup? And these have been a thing for a while. I mean, I have friends that did that and um, I think it's definitely a cool thing, but only do that. If it fits your personality, don't feel like that's something you should have to get into. And, uh, I would say that you and your friends and family know if that's fitting your personality, but, you know, do it, do it only if that's something you really love and you're going to enjoy the entire process of putting it together. Cause if you're, if you're doing it out of obligation, it won't be fun. And that goes back to the uh, thing that Libby said, make sure you're having fun. And then the uh, last thing that he brought up was doing something with a uh, coordinated formal dance. And from that um, Avenue, I think what he was really trying to get at is Every wedding show you go to, there's a better than 90% chance there's going to be a dance instructor there. And so it's, a, it's definitely a cool thing to do to hire a professional a dance instructor to help you choreograph your first dance. And if you're somebody who's extroverted, that doesn't mind or actually loves being in the spotlight, and you really want to put on a show for people and do something that's memorable and make that video awesome, something that, yeah, th- that I would say is highly recommended. But again, make sure that that fits your personality. And uh, don't, don't do that because you feel like you have to, you don't have to do any of this. So, you know, do, do what you're comfortable with.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, definitely, I, I love when I see couples do choreographed dances that have, you know, taken the dance lessons and you can always tell when one's a little more uncomfortable than the other and, you know, in their element. And that was very much my relationship. Like I love to dance, don't have good dance moves, but I love to dance. Uh, my husband, on the other hand, is, is not a dancer, doesn't, doesn't enjoy it really at all, um, probably because he's had, you know, three knee surgeries, but it, it was one of those things that I tried to convince him, like, let's take dance lessons. I was already a wedding planner, and so I've seen the whole sway back and forth, and he's like, no, like, I'll spin you a few times, I'll dip you at the end, it's fine, we can do this, and so finally, it, it was a thing, it was like, I'm not going to force him to do something he doesn't want to do. Um, And so I was like, Okay, fine, we're gonna we're gonna find a happy medium and I, we did it at a theater. Um, And so for our first dance like I had the entire theater go dark, and then had our DJ put a spotlight just on us. Um, And so I could get that whole spotlight, you know, feeling even though I wasn't necessarily doing this choreographed dance but I did I wanted it to be something more than just in this big dance floor swaying back and forth and so that was my my idea i'm like fine i'm just going to make everything dark except for us um we have some really great pictures from it um and and it's just one of those things that people like your guys's first dance you know although you guys didn't really do all that much like it was really cool because again we we made it something unique and so it doesn't necessarily like maybe you want to bring that whole Dancing on the cloud element that is is kind of new into some of those venues where you basically have a fog machine that makes it look like you are truly dancing on a cloud. Um, and so, just think about some different funner, you know, funner, some more fun elements that you can funner is out. the
1: correct way to say that
0: <laughs> that you can bring out and have um, people remember your first dance.
1: Yeah, and I would say that um, kudos to you and Ted for being truly collaborative and meeting each other in the middle as to, uh, you know, where, where you wanted that to be. That's, uh, that's an important lesson that you guys learned during the engagement process. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 11 years (laughs) here.
1: Exactly. (laughs) All right. So then the last, uh, talk to Jordan Sweet, who is the general manager for that Southern, uh, Illinois area. So works a lot with, uh, Libby. They, they kind of run all of that area together from a management and marketing standpoint and everything. And so we talked about incorporating traditions when it comes to music. And he brought up some really, um, I'd say, timeless and interesting things. And this is just when you're thinking about putting your music together, think back to all the family weddings you've been to, uh, because there's a good chance that you've been to cousins, aunts, uncles, something to that effect, and, and you've been to family weddings. What's the song that makes all the aunts and uncles come out? Just think about those traditions. Think about Thanksgiving, Christmas, any of the holidays. If there's a song that, you know, always makes grandpa happy, just think about those family traditions and make sure to do those. Um, And then uh, the next thing you mentioned was any kind of religious celebrations, make sure to work those in. And the biggest example is the Hora, which is a a Jewish tradition where you carry people on the chair and, you know, do that. And, And even the the gentile people in your group will have fun with that that's a really fun tradition so make sure to do it um don't be afraid and and even think about ways that you can do a tribute to any kind of family members that are no longer with you and so let's say god forbid your grandparents don't make it to your wedding what's the song that they either dance to play it for them or um you know play a song that was you know grandpa's get out on the dance floor And, and so in my area there's a polka song, you know, the, the couple of times that this type of thing has come up. It's a play a polka song. Grandpa loved the polka in the upper Midwest, uh, Milwaukee area, <clears throat> then uh, Greek life songs. So uh, I know for the fraternity I'm in, one of the things that we've always done and people nationally do this is there's a song that you sing to the bride before the bouquet toss or the garter or something like that. Do those things, you know, just realize that you'll be you'll be happy you didn't. And even if you are just kind of taking a moment with you and 12 friends, um, highly encourage you to do that. And that, that's one of the things I always press to, uh, to uh, have have people do as well. Then just think of any kind of uh, wedding tradition that you've seen at some of your friends weddings, uh, you know, copying is the most uh, sincere form of flattery. So if your friends all stood in a circle at the end of your a wedding, that you were in the wedding party and sang piano, man, you know, do that at your wedding if you want to don't don't be afraid that it's something that's been done before. It might turn into one of those family traditions that we're talking about. And then, uh, you know, make sure that you just get to know your DJ. So they're getting your personality and giving your uh, party and, and yourselves the best chance to have as much fun as possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, again, we talked about, you know, that home make your break, really, you know, honing in on what your personalities are with your with your DJ or any entertainment that you're providing so that they. Not only like in their announcements, they can provide you know quirky little things maybe about your relationship or what they know, um, but also in your music selections. Um, You know, we often have people well, I don't care, you know, play whatever. That's fine. We can do that. We have set lists. We have we have things that we do at at most weddings. But to truly personalize your day is really getting to know what your genres are. And you know, we've talked about this on a on a different uh, podcast that if you have certain genres of music that aren't necessarily made for dancing, you play those during dinner. So at least you can have what Mm -hmm. you guys wanted to hear at some point in your wedding. And then, you know, you can get down and boogie to what all your guests want to hear later on in the evening. Definitely, you know, those traditions, I've seen so many can't remember half of their names. Um, But as as an outsider that goes to so many weddings, um, and don't know the people at all, it is the number one thing that I look forward to watching because that interaction of the family and the the couples and their friends and stuff, especially when they're doing things that half of the crowd has no idea about. And you often see this when only like one side of the family has is, you know, that part of that heritage or whatnot. It's so fun to watch them try to figure it out. Um, So it's the best people watching when they do those fun things. And so I, again, encourage it, even if you know out here we're we're very much into the the grand march um and if you don't know what that is go ahead and google it I won't spend our time talking about that but it's one of those things that again I see a lot of times where half of the people know what they're doing and the other half don't but by the end of it everybody is having an amazing time and laughing and really just you know going all out um for it and so truly, truly embrace that, um, especially if you have parents that are very vocal on they want you to do it. Again, we talk about it's your day, do what you want to do. But it is, I mean, you are really bringing your families together and forming that bond with your family. And so, you know, maybe if you can set aside your, your dislike for some of the things to just please those people, in the end, you'll probably be surprised that you had a good time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the grand march that you're calling. So in in my area, and this was a learning curve for me, a grand march is when the wedding parties introduced. Um, We always just called that introductions back in Kansas. I'm I'm pretty sure what you're talking about, which is a, a follow the leader lead into the first dance. I think that's only really done in the neck of the woods where you are and where I grew up. Now, that being said, I've done it in probably 10 different states and led it in places like that. And you always get everybody. And I think that's a, a great example of just kind of making people get out of their shell and have fun and, and the way that your family has traditions and, you know, highly recommend it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grand March, wedding March, whatever they call it. Some, some German polka dance that, uh, yeah, like you said, follow the leader into, uh, yeah. some London and, uh, yeah. circle.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. But again, make sure you go check out the entire, the entire video or the entire audio series you can find that here or on the complete national facebook page or you can find it on uh, like Tara and i's individual spots in kansas and milwaukee and uh you know check it out get all the insight from those guys we just gave um what was a shorter recap of what everything was they hit the high points and maybe this helps you find the sections that you really want to hone in on but i think that's going to do it for uh, this recap so until next time take care
0: Cheers and happy wedding planning. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some helpful insight as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Tara with the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast.
1: And I'm Josh. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate and review us if you like what you hear. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services.
0: Visit CompleteWeDo.com for more info. Happy wedding planning!